The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over, the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There were nine of us around the supper table when I was a young child, and it was not always a pretty sight. Seven kids competed for the best chair and the best glass. They may have been matched sets originally, but not by the time I came along. And our manners probably left a lot to be desired as we dove into the food as though it would run out. When our behavior got too bad, my mother would give us the look, which almost always settled us down. Now, please hear this. What follows is not a recommendation for child raising. But if the look didn't settle us down, she would threaten to get the stick, the lefsa stick, a long, thin, smooth wooden implement for turning lefsa, which probably would not have felt comfortable applied to the backside. We never found out about that because the mere mention of it was enough to make us settle right down. Looking back, of course, she never would have risked her lefsa stick. Well, through it all, Mom kept us all very well fed. In our gospel reading today, Jesus had, as you have heard, at least 5,000 men to feed, probably more like 10,000 or more people, counting everyone. One of our stained glass windows reminds us of this story. You can see five loaves of brown bread and the two fish curled up behind them. Just before this, our Lord had gone out on the lake for some peace and quiet to be by himself and to grieve because he had just heard about the beheading of his cousin, John the Baptist. 
But soon he was heading back into shore. A crowd was waiting for him again. They were hungry for him, and he had compassion on them, and he cured their sick. And when evening came, the disciples were perhaps hungry and had had enough of this crowd, and they said to Jesus, It's late. Send the people away to buy food for themselves. Just send them away to buy food. Well, there's a lot going on here. Compassion and competition, hunger and miracles. But one of my favorite ways to look at this account is the way Parker Palmer, in his book, The Active Life, views it. Palmer says this account shows us two opposing ways of looking at the world. We can either assume a world of scarcity, or we can assume a world of abundance. And the quality of our lives will be influenced by which worldview we hold. Do we see the world as a place where the basic things that people need, food, shelter, a sense of worth, being loved, are or can be ample and abundant? Or is the world a place where goods are in short supply, available only to those who have the power to beat everyone else to the store? If we see the world as a place of scarcity, then only people who know how to compete will be able to survive. If we see the world as a place of abundance, then acts of generosity and community are not only possible, but are wise and fruitful and natural as well. At first glance, it might seem that people with limited resources might have an attitude of scarcity, and people with larger resources might have an attitude of abundance. But the attitude doesn't really depend on how much a person has. We can look at the same amount of food or money or the same situation and see it either through the lens of scarcity or of abundance. Have you read The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck? Written in 1939, it tells the story of the Jode family, desperately poor sharecroppers during the Depression era. I remember somewhere in the book there was a discussion among hungry people about where to get help with food. They all agreed, go to the poor families. They will share out of the little they have. I need to tell you another story. I don't think I've ever referenced toilet paper in a sermon before, and I don't think my mother would approve. But I want to tell you this. Recently, when toilet paper was scarce and people were afraid of running out and were buying it in large quantities, because honestly, who wants to run out? One of our neighbors put out the word that they had plenty of TP and invited people to just come and get some, free. It felt like they were giving away gold bars. Now, some would see that quantity and see it as scarce and keep it. They saw it as plenty and shared it. The disciples assume scarcity in two ways when they say, send the crowds away so they may go into the villages to buy food for themselves. First, there isn't enough food, so they should compete for it based on who has the money to buy it. And second, they should scatter. They should go away to buy it separately. The disciples haven't considered a different kind of possibility, a third way to think, which is this. Joining together as a community with the potential for generating abundance. 
That way of thinking describes our wonderful local helping organization, Interfaith Outreach, in a nutshell. Our whole community coming together in love for each other because we are all part of this community. And it describes our church reaching out in love so much more fruitfully together than we could apart. If we assume scarcity and competition, our sense of being a community will suffer. Obviously, back around our supper table all those years ago, our sense of family community suffered in the midst of taunts of, I got the best glass, I got the best chair, and wanting to be first to the trough. Now, we did go without some things, which didn't hurt us one bit, but we never went hungry. And there was absolutely no need for us to assume scarcity, no need to compete for supper. We could have approached the same amount of food with an attitude of abundance and had a much more peaceful and enjoyable meal. An attitude of scarcity harms community. An attitude of abundance enhances it, whether we have a little or a lot. So back to the gospel. The disciples, with their assumption of scarcity, asked Jesus to send the crowds away to buy food. He replied simply and pointedly, they need not go away, you give them something to eat. Instead of buy, he suggests give. Abundance and community are all about giving of what we have and offering ourselves. Now at this point, I think Jesus must have been beaming inside, seeing how perplexed they were and knowing what wonders of abundance they would see when they gave him what they had to give. He wasn't just telling them to do something impossible. He was inviting them into an amazing, wonderful opportunity to experience God working through them, to move from being observers to participants. And doesn't God want that for all of us, to trust and share and have a hand in the miracle? Well, the disciples at first were not having any of that nonsense. They explained to Jesus as though he were a little dim. Uh, Lord, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said to them, bring them here to me. He encouraged the disciples to look more closely at what they have instead of what they lack. And that's a step toward abundance and then trust him with it. Jesus ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. In Mark's gospel, a detail is added. Jesus had them sit together in small groups. Now what happens when people are changed from a huge crowd milling around into people sitting next to one another? Maybe friends and neighbors have spotted each other. Maybe people sit down and meet new people and begin to talk probably about this Jesus who has been teaching and healing them. They begin to experience community in being present to one another. And perhaps the best enemy of scarcity is relationship. The reading tells us that Jesus then took the loaves and fish, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples who gave them to all those people sitting down together. Did you hear the language of Holy Communion? Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to all to eat. Hidden in this story is a reminder that our Savior nourishes us and the world with the bread that is his own dear body 
in an abundant supply that never runs out. And not hidden but plain to see is the message that when bread is broken and shared, there is enough. The account states so simply, without any fanfare, that all ate and were filled. It just doesn't say how. So, did Jesus physically multiply the loaves? Did Jesus put those little loaves and fish into those 12 baskets? And did they keep handing out the food? And did the baskets just never get empty? Or what? I'd like to know. On the other hand, I kind of do know. Some people in our church have hearts that are so tuned to our neighbors who are living on the economic edge, and even more so right now with COVID. And they make sure that I have a stash of food cards that doesn't run out, so that when people call the church to say they are hungry and can we help, we get to say, yes, we can help. That feels to me a lot like loaves and fishes, and it makes me very happy. What did the disciples experience? What was it like for them to see the Lord work so miraculously through their small gifts of bread and fish? Are there no words for it? Was it just awe? Well, they probably had to rethink some assumptions they had about how the world worked now that Jesus was in it. What is our world hungry for today? Too many are hungry for food. Many are hungry for hope that things will get better, that treatments for COVID-19 will be established, that the virus will be under control, that there will be fierce dedication to equality and understanding between all races. When we look at the world's hunger, we can have an attitude of scarcity that says, change can never happen. There are too many mouths to feed. The virus is too strong. The racial divide is too wide. There's no hope for change. This is just how it is, so I'm not going to bother. Or we can have an attitude of abundance, not because of our own power, but because we belong to the one who fed thousands with two little fish and five loaves of bread, the one who rose from the dead and calls us beloved. We belong to Jesus Christ, so let's bother. Let's share ourselves and our resources, our hopes and our dreams. Let's send food to Haiti and support food trucks on Lake Street. Let's care for our neighbor in sickness and in health. And let's earnestly seek understanding and work for racial justice. My friends, let's be what we are called to be, one family of God, living out of God's abundant love. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>